millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It turned out to be the equivalent of a state funeral. Mm. And as much as we were hurting, everybody else was hurting too, you know. I think it was a long time after when we looked back and realised exactly how huge a contribution had been made. Anniversaries are a bit of a theme for us this month on the podcast. And today, the 10th of October, marks 10 years since the death of the brilliant and beautiful Stephen Gately. In one of our very first episodes of Grief Encounters, we had the pleasure of speaking to one of his best friends and bandmates, Mikey Graham, about his love for Stephen. The love of a friend is a special thing, and equally so, the loss of a friend is an extremely difficult situation. Before we discuss the loss, can you give our listeners a proper insight into what Stephen was like as a person and a bandmate and as your friend? Yeah, well, uh, Stephen was a, he was a great guy. He was very, very vibrant, very colourful, very um, excited about life in general. He was born just around the corner here in in, uh, Savile Place and um, he was really, really enjoying the freedom that he had as a gay man and having come out. um, He he was free and and he was at the happiest that he had, I think, ever been um, at the the stage when he passed away. But he was a great guy and and, and sorely missed and a huge uh, impact on the band, obviously, as well. You know, we... It was difficult to deal with, but we had each other to constantly speak uh, with about it. Even nowadays, his memory and the memory of his antics in, in dressing rooms, he was a real character and he'd always have you laughing, you know, all, all the time. Like, you know, he, he just had a great sense of humour, very, very witty guy, you know. Do you guys ever do anything to remember him when you're together now? Constantly, constantly, yeah. When, when we're on stage, we... Um, we always have a, a section of the show that's dedicated to Stephen and recordings of his voice on certain parts of the songs that would be played, you know. So it's um, like when it first happened, when we were doing a tribute in the shows, it was it was emotional for us and the audience. But now with a new tour coming up, we, we're looking at it in a, in a more positive light, at the, a celebration of, mm. of, of his life and who he was rather than... Um, you know, to make that part of the show too gloomy kind of thing. We've already done that and addressed that end of it. Stephen passed away. There was sort of a reaction in the country of yeah. pure shock of people were devastated. We yeah. saw how, as you said, just around the corner, mm-hmm. the streets were all cleaned up, gates were painted, everybody, yeah. there was flowers planted. I mean, it was it was a huge. It was a national occasion. 
of sadness, of grief. People were, it was just incredible scenes that perhaps you mightn't have expected. Did that help yeah. you in the initial days that you weren't on your own, that it, it, other people it, felt what you were going through? It was absolutely overwhelming the amount of support that we got from, from the country and and from Stephen's local community mm. and also the Angarda Shikana as well. Just everybody. I mean, it was it turned out to be the equivalent of a state funeral. Mm. And, you know, as much as we were hurting, everybody else was hurting too, you know, that this, this young guy who, um, you know, came, came from a, a, a tough part of the city mm. um, and also being gay, you know, he had, he had risen through all of that, you know. Um, so there was a huge loss everywhere. But yes, in, in answer to your question, the, the support from, from everybody was absolutely phenomenal. Really, really phenomenal. We did not expect that at all. Nobody was more surprised than we were, you know. Did you take a, a, a few moments maybe as the days went on or the weeks went on and sort of look back to try and take that in, to try and remember yeah. how, how people were feeling? And I, I, I don't think it was more so days or weeks after. I think it was a, lo- a long time after when we, when we looked back and realised exactly how huge a contribution had been made by like I say his, his local community the community at large the country you know everybody just seemed to pull together and and um, look after us mm. and and you know show a great respect to to this this kid from Dublin you know do you think about what you'd be talking to him about now or what he'd be like now, what he'd be doing, would he still be performing with you? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. I mean, Stephen was a born performer and, um, you know, music and the entertainment industry was was his life completely. So, yeah, there's no doubt whatsoever that he, he would have been still involved in all of that. But I, because he was so, so happy at the time that he passed away, I would like to think that that happiness would have carried on and he would have really blossomed even more into himself mm-hmm. and his own skin, you know. We talk a lot about those initial stages, the f- first few days and weeks of grief, but I think yeah. there's often a really hard stage yeah, that yeah, inevitably sure. everybody gets to. I mean, for you, w- when you went through this, what was the kind of the part that it got really, really difficult to accept that this was the new reality and that your friend was gone and you were living in a new world? Yeah. Well, you're exactly right in saying that. It, it's You're shifted into a new paradigm and you're trying to hold on to the old one. And as long as you're holding on to the old one and you're in resistance of that, you will continue to suffer. And the reason why we continue to hold on to the the old paradigm is out of fear of of um, of the new one. Mm. Um, so it's not really until you get to a stage of of surrender and acceptance to what is that you then begin to to heal and to um, move forward and look back on very fond memories of, of the time that we have had together. Um, and and also, I mean, as I said before, you know, in my opinion, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved mm. at all, you know. But don't they say that, that uh, grief is the price you pay 
for love and then strength is the reward you get for grief. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, the I lost my mother there recently as well uh, last year on the 23rd, or 23rd of December. So um, coming up to her first anniversary. And it's... Love is the highest possible energy or reward that you can receive in life, whether that's, you know, the love of a lover, the love mm. of a, a mother, the love of a, a friend, whatever, whatever form it, it, it comes in. And I'm sure you'll remember as well, like when, when you meet, for example, uh, somebody that you fall in love with for the first time, you know, that kind of ecstatic feeling that you have and it raises everything in you, your your spirit, everything is raised, you know, your your whole kind of vibration, if you like. Um, so grief is is the price that you pay uh, when when you lose such a reward, that, that mm. high, high love. Um, but Again, as I said earlier on, the the grief only goes on as long as you are in resistance to what happened, to what you've lost. Mm. And it takes time. Now, the grief, it's not like, I'm not trying to say that. Are you sort of saying then you should put a time frame on grief? No, 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 no. Not a time frame on it, but a, a new perspective on it that grief is the healing process and grief must be allowed to happen. And most people will continue to grieve. I mean, I have seen some people grieve for the rest of their lives and and really just not move on. They're frozen in time um, because they've never let go of, of, of the loss of the, the person. Now, that's not to say that you have to let go of the person and the memories, but if you if you can purely focus on the the grieving aspect of it and go through that, because at the end of the day, like I say, with love being the highest energy you can you can receive in life, there has to be a process whereby that has to be expressed through crying through. All, all the 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 uh, aspects of 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 grief. However, when equipped with the knowledge of how grief works, and if you then allow yourself to become the observer of your grief and your grieving process, and allow yourself to be that to mm. do that, there eventually comes a time whereby tooled with with these kind of uh, perspectives you begin to understand that if i want to carry on in life it's a matter of complete and utter surrender wholeheartedly to what has happened and when you you do that then that cloud lifts and you begin to look forward instead of being frozen in time. So it's like a full acceptance. It's yeah, a complete yeah. and utter surrender to, because we can't control this life. Mm. You know, I mean, we, we try our best to. Mm. We try to, to grip onto it with both hands and especially when something like love comes along. 
you know we we don't want to, we don't want to lose love mm. it makes us mm. feel so good mm. you know um as well as the many other things that that person contributed to your life and they were also uh, a huge pillar of your identity in this world you know um which is another thing if we have time I'll mm. go into but you've lost a huge part of your identity and this is where we suffer and this is as the buddha said that the root of all suffering is fear so it's the fear that has to be addressed and the fear can only be addressed when we begin to peel back these these layers and layers of identity that we've built up over the years since childhood i mean i'll, I'll quickly go through this that basically when we're born into this world our, our first um identification though we're not aware of it particularly i don't think so anyway when we're when we're just born but as our gender then the next thing, as we begin to grow older and we come out of, uh, it's called theida, <laughs> easy for me to say, but um, <laughs> the child's brain works on a particular wavelength. And mm -hmm. as we get older, it moves up in, in different um, states of awareness. Yeah. So your first thing is your gender, then your second thing becomes, let's say, your name and then your 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 family and your mother, your father, your home, your siblings, your your home life, your community, your friends. This is year by year. You know, you go through primary school, secondary school, college, and then you have a, a, a title of some kind in your job. And, and so when somebody says to you, you know, who are you? You can riddle off a whole load of things saying, I am male or female, mm. I am, you know, John or Julie, I am the son of such and such and what have you, I am a dentist, mm. I am whatever it might be. And every year that goes by in our lives, we build up these layers of identity. And one of these layers of identity is that I am, let's say, the, the partner of yeah. somebody, let's say, or the wife of somebody or whatever. So that's a, that's a layer of identity. And we, we, we strongly cling to all of these um, labels, if you like, that that define us in in this world, and we protect and guard them so much. And when we lose one of those layers of identity, such as a, a, a lost loved one, you're you're at a, a huge loss. Like there's a layer of you missing. So you you're trying your best to live life with this missing. Link, link yeah. and, and, and identity that you've been so uh, tightly attached to for many years. So it's not until you, like an onion almost, you, you, you peel back these different layers and layers and layers and layers of identity. And just like an onion, when you come to the centre of it, they get thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. And then when, when you strip every layer away, you find that there's actually nothing there. Mm. There's nothing but there. is it the case then if you if you add on all these layers as you move through life, mm -hmm. then you're starting to move back then, because all those layers are coming away. Well, no, you you, you don't um, move back. You're you're always moving forward, but you're moving forward in a more knowledgeable way mm -hmm. than general society teaches. Mm. Because when somebody goes through the process of really addressing their identifications in this world and, and you know, the pillars of their identity, uh, they, they then begin to see life on a, a different mm. perspective mm. and dimension altogether. And one which you then realize when you've gone through that process, 
that no matter what happens in this world, there will always be good, there will always be bad. Mm. And although I'm kind of saying this matter-of-factly, I know for sure it's not this simple. It's taken me years and years and years and years to, to, to mm. come to my way of thinking about this. But when you do go through this process and you go the journey into yourself, you find that there is nothing nothing to fear. Yeah. And when fear, fear just, when you get to the centre of that onion, so to speak, and you see there's nothing there, the fear dissolves as well. And when the fear dissolves, you then find yourself in a, a, a position whereby you wholeheartedly are surrendered and acceptance of all that has been and all that will be in your life in this small window of time that we have from birth till death. There's a multitude of things that can happen. But if you accept it wholeheartedly without clinging on to it, because it's not ours at the end of the mm. day to own, you know what I mean? And mm. it's only on loan, both this body and, and the people that we love. So you begin to kind of understand that, okay, I've loved and I've lost, but that isn't the end of the story. Mm. And if I allow myself to be open to whatever might be, and it takes a bit of time and practice, believe me, but once you, it does happen, the result does happen, um, you, you then can approach grief mm-hmm. in a very different manner than you may have before. I went to um, a therapist shortly after my mother passed away and, and she said something and at the time it really stung but I actually fully understand it now and she said yeah. there's a richness in this experience. Totally. Mm. And I was so angry at her for saying that as if somehow I was supposed to even be better than I normally am yeah. <laughs> through my grief experience but now I actually understand that in a way it kind of put me at a completely different level because I could see things in a different way. The one thing I wanted to ask you about in all of this, I think self-criticism comes into grief a lot. Yes. I shouldn't be at this stage Mm. yet. I should be doing this. I shouldn't think that much about the person. I shouldn't talk that much about the person. Mm. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. And when you're trying to kind of get to the next stage, that can be really damaging. I think you think the world is telling you to move on a lot. Mm -hmm. There's... You know, you should be past it at the six-month anniversary or the year anniversary. I mean, how do you think self-criticism comes into the process? Because that's, for a lot of people who aren't th- where maybe you are at with this, that's something that can be uh, quite overpowering for them. Absolutely. Um, there is a sense of guilt with moving on. And that sense of guilt comes through years of programming in the societies that we, we live in. That, you know, let's say let's say a person was able to be over a loss in six months' time, people mm. would be judgmental of it going, you know, how come they're not, uh, you know, broken and all that kind of thing, you know? Um, or and then maybe longer than six months or whatever. But first of all, from the point of view of that self-guilt or self-criticism about how you're coping and if you're coping well, you feel guilty. First of all, the person that you loved and lost if they were able to to say to you you know don't worry about me Mm. I'm okay now wherever I am I'm I'm okay now you do what you have to do because you've still got time here on this planet life is such a wonderful thing that 
I know we had a great time together and hopefully maybe see each other again one day, I don't know. But, you know, in the time that you have left, try to make it rich, even even more rich and experienced the rest of the time that you have left. And, and you know, you're more educated about it than you would have previously. So, you know, my advice to anybody who would be self-criticizing with regard to if they're feeling good um, after a certain amount of time is to accept that too. Surrender to that too. Allow it to be. You know, it is what it is. It's out of your control. But if it's making you feel better, go with it. The person that you've lost will not be holding anything against you. They would wish nothing more than you to be able to move on sooner. Do you think they'd like to see you the mm. rest of your life mm. frozen in time? No. No, they wouldn't. You know you talked I mean? about pillars as well and a mother. Yeah. In terms of the pillars, that's getting to the very beginning of the onion. Absolutely. That's like a very much of the core um, of your identity. Totally. How have you found that? I mean, it's it's a very difficult thing to talk about because mm-hmm. a mother can, for it's different for everyone, I suppose, but a lot of times it is the heart of it's where you began. It and, is. Um, how, is that, did you find that that was an incredibly, even though you have all these kind of learnings and, and mm-hmm. coping skills, that that was difficult to... Yes, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still human. And being human, I have to deal with all the human emotions that go with losing a pillar of my identity. And and my mother, you know, she, as all of our mothers, you know, she was the greatest in the world. You know, she 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 lived for her children. She did everything for her children. You know, um. So and it, I feared losing my my mother and my father, um, all my life. I feared that moment. Mm. And it's a little ironic in my particular situation that it was in last May where I kind of had this moment of, dare I say, enlightenment, but uh, it's known as Satori in, in um, Sanskrit. And it's it's a moment of, of completely allowing the will of the universe just to be. Mm-hmm. And I, no, don't get me wrong, I, I you know, I cried, Um that has to happen. That's a natural process. You must go through that. You can't deny any of that. But the reality was that I was shifted into a new dimension and I have to deal with that new dimension. And it's very difficult to adjust to that new dimension when I go into her house and, you know, her shoes are still under the table, her picture on the wall, you know, some of her little things. She was quite a religious woman. Um, so there's constant reminders of of her around the place, but I, if you know, if I find myself feeling down about it, I don't try and snap myself out of it. What I do is observe myself and my emotions mm. when I'm in that place, and not fear mm. those emotions and that place. Sit there quietly and 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 observe it, and then. All things pass, this too will pass. So you then find yourself in a different, perhaps, location or a different frame of mind. And I go, well, you know what? I had my mother for 45 years, a wonderful, wonderful woman who I loved dearly and all of my siblings, I'm one of seven, and and my dad, of course. And, you know, I had 45 years with a wonderful, wonderful woman. A lot of people don't have that. My best friend lost his mother at 13 years of age. Mm. I didn't realise until I lost my mother 
I don't know how he coped. I don't know how he managed to cope, you know. Now, my mother was best friends with his mother too and, and my mother took him under her wing as well and, and became a bit of a mother, um, motherly figure to him. But like I say, it's just really the importance of allowing yourself to grieve whenever it comes upon you. But rather than grieving in a, a state of resistance to what has happened, grieve, but allow yourself to be the observer of your grief. Sit with with it, you know. That's that's where the healing mm. is taking place, and then you you'll find mm. yourself healed a little bit, and then mm. you kind of surface. Your head comes back up above water again, mm. and if you if you just allow nature to be and and the human emotions to be the way they are supposed to it's like if you are swimming against the tide you'll drown you'll exhaust yourself if you're in resistance but if you just basically you know turn over on, on your back so to speak and allow the, the 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 buoyancy of the water it will carry you to to peaceful shores mm. You've just got mm. to allow that to be, you know. Mm. Resistance, uh, whatever you resist will persist, you know. I see C.S. Lewis has a quote that I found so powerful, which was that uh, he never knew grief felt so much like fear. Mm. And I remember someone sending that to me. And at first I didn't, I kind of understood it. And I sorry, I'd certainly understand it a lot more now because mm. it does oftentimes manifest mm. itself in, in that way. Uh, yes. If you're looking for a safe haven to express how you feel, share articles, photos, and memories of your loved ones, join the Grief Encounters Facebook group, a place for support, compassion, and empathy for those grieving. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I want to ask you about, and we talked briefly about this before about signs and yeah. maybe being open to perhaps the person who's passed on mm. is sending you an indication that they're there or maybe they're not and yeah. it's something that happens to a lot of people I mean I would have been the biggest Absolutely. cynic about anything like that yeah. but then as they happen you're going hold on a sec where did that come from how did that happen etc you spoke before about the butterflies yeah. And Stephen loved butterflies and something special mm -hmm. happens to you or has happened to you mm -hmm. as a group when you've been performing. Well, yes, there, there was an example um, when we were doing some tech rehearsals for the tour just after we lost Stephen. And he he always he had an interest, uh, well, a love of butterflies, you know, mm. Um and in this in this big um, place where we were doing tech rehearsals with the whole stage and what have you, a butterfly flew across the stage. And now this butterfly had no place being in there whatsoever. This was a 
a dark building that, you know, it just shouldn't have been there. It wasn't mm. a, its natural habitat. So when it flew across the stage, everybody looked at each other and, and kind of thought, wow, is that a bit of a sign or something, mm. you know? Now, me personally, I don't know if that was or if that wasn't. Similar things have happened around my mother's passing as well in the last year. And if it brings comfort to people, so be it. Mm. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And there's who's to say if it isn't a message mm. or, or some kind of thing. Do you take heed of it? Does it make you stop in your tracks or do you well, just, it, you know, are you slightly my, cynical my, about no, it? No, I wouldn't be cynical about anything like that because I come at these things from both a philosophical and a scientific point of view. And Nikola Tesla said that if you want to understand the universe, you have to think in terms of um, resonance, vibration and frequency. So the whole universe is, on a, on a scientific level, the whole universe is made of energy of different types. Mm. And that energy can neither be, it's the first rule of ter thermodynamics, that energy can neither be uh, created or destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So, you know, although a living person has passed on, I have no... Um, you know, no qualms in any manner about these being signs or signals potentially because the energy from that person in all the scientific ways um, has has moved on to another plane, you know, and scientifically I can understand, believe and know that it is absolutely possible that the the consciousness of the person who has passed mm. this it, it has gone back into the ether or what have you, but through the living and combined thought processes, as you, I'm sure you've all heard the law of attraction and all that mm. kind of thing. Well, it actually is a scientific fact, you know, and I won't go into it now, but I I, I can dissect as to how it is a scientific mm. fact. And what you believe, you receive, and all that. You know, like our thought presses, thought processes are um, energy waves, and and they attract like-minded thoughts. Mm. So therefore, if you are in a situation of of grief or whatever it might be, having lost a person, and particularly if they're, you know, if you have siblings and other people and what have you, that constant subconscious longing is going on, and that is. It's invisible to us, but it, it, scientifically it is there. It's happening. It's an energy. So that will attract something of the nature of uh, a sign. sign. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a religious person, but I think one of the things that's important is the, the openness. So like to be kind to yourself. So yeah. if something brings you comfort, so I'm not a religious person, but yeah, sometimes I think neither. about my mother and mm. the first thing that comes into my head, and I can't explain it, is her saying, I'm right here. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I don't fight it anymore. I yes. let her, I, I, I don't dissect it. I don't try to figure out what made me think that thing. I just really believe yeah. that. But it's that, a comfort. It's a reassurance. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a reassurance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting that you said you now don't fight it anymore. Mm. You know, and it's in that surrender that peace comes to you and and also, you know, to, to those who have passed on. And I think it's a good thing whenever you're feeling like that to ask yourself again about the person who has moved on. If they were there with you now, mm. what would they say to you? They'd say, 
what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing wasting this much time? I'm okay where I am, you know, wherever that might be. They, they would shake it up and say, don't worry, mm-hmm. you know, don't worry. Just enjoy this, this, the rest of the time you have, mm-hmm. you know, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And they are fine. Mm-hmm. We My grieve said, for, for, for our pain, yeah, not for theirs. Yeah. My mother said a couple of days before she died, she said, I'm okay, I'm going to see my mom. Yeah. And it was like the most powerful thing because I just thought, she... You never think of it like that. You never think of it like that. She was like, she was excited because she Mm. was such a religious person. Yeah. She was like, oh my God, I'm going to go see my mother. (laughs) Like she couldn't even wrap her head around it. Uh, She was so looking forward to that moment, which I, my my sister and I both found a lot of peace in that idea. And and so you should Mm. find a huge amount of comfort in the fact that you have moved on to a different dimension again when 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 you leave this body, you know, mm. and it's one of uh, of complete peace. Mm. I presume. I don't. I hope there's no mortgages and things like that in the next <laughs> life. You know what I mean? And no 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 worries about bills or any of those kind of things that we have in this life. You know what I mean? We're we're so we're so punished by by the fear mm. uh, that that is. The world as it is mm. today, you know, and all that you've supposedly to match mm. up to, you know. No, just surrender. Be On that peace. note, Michael Graham, we will leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Really enjoyed it. Mm.